We're going to be uh, starting uh, a series uh, going through a book of the Bible. And that book of the Bible is called Habakkuk or Habakkuk or whatever way you want to pronounce it. There is no specific yet. Yeah, figure that out, right? Um, and it's really going to be talking about faith and uncertainty. And we're not talking about, oh, I have faith in the actual topic of uncertainty. No, we have faith in uncertainty, like as far as the times that we live in, the, the lives that we live in this culture that we live in specifically. So if you're looking for it by like flipping through your Bible, uh, just go to the table of contents. Nobody's going to judge you. I had to do it. It's just a really hard book to find. So just go to the table of contents. Mine was uh, uh, 614 in my Bible. Don't look up 614. You have a different Bible, so that won't work for you. But anyway, uh, but as you're finding this book, um, I really was thinking like how, how to illustrate specifically what is going to be happening and what we're going to be reading throughout this book. And, and we, uh, we had a rule in our house when our kids were little. And occasionally, depending on their attitude, we pull it up now, even if they're grown. Um, but it's, uh, they could always ask us why to anything that we said to do or, or ask them. They, they could always ask why. But they had to say this first. It had, there had to be an order to it. They'd look at us and go, yes, may I ask why? Like, so if we asked them to go do some, hey, go clean your room, we, we instituted this with guess who? Mary. That's right. All they knew were mouth their By the age of two, everything was wine, and, and literally it's like, we're going to eat dinner. Why? Well, because we're hungry. Why? And, you know, because God said so. Sure. Oh. And um, anyway, uh, but we really wanted our kids to engage in, in a relationship with us of obeying us and feeling free to have full privilege to always ask us why. So, yes, you're going to do what I, or yes, I'm going to do what you asked me to do, but, but may I ask why? Sure. And we would have a conversation. And so the reason we did that was because um, our relationship with our kids models for them, for a period of time at least, um, that we're like their Godhead as parents. Like we are God in them in a lot of ways. Like we, we provide for all of their needs and all of their this and all of their that, and they can't survive without us. And maybe that's true of your older kids too. I don't know. Um, but it's a reality. And so we wanted them to be able to ask God why and to know that they can ask God why. But before we ask God why, we have to really understand that the answer to God is always yes. Yes. And may I ask why? And so we're going to start a book. Um, this book, Habakkuk, Habakkuk, however you pronounce it different pronunciations, but he asked some difficult questions of God. And God responds to him directly. I mean, it's literally a conversation happening. And this is what uh, Habakkuk's um, complaining was about. And he did it twice in this book. The first complaint was mainly something like this. Why do good people suffer? I mean, have you ever asked that question? Sure. And then the second question is something along the lines of this. Why do cruel people succeed? Those are two really good questions. They're actually on my list of questions for God when I get up to heaven. And when I get up to heaven with this list of questions, I think I'm going to look at the Lord and go, I don't care. And not worry about it. But it is nice to get an answer to this side of heaven, isn't it? At times. So 
But by the end of this honest conversation, what we're going to see is that Habakkuk literally comes to understand, even in difficulty, God is faithful, and he is calling the faithful people to him. And he uses these difficult times to deepen the faith of the faithful. So today we're going to do like an overview of Habakkuk. I think that's important as we lean into the context of this, because this is very much like our culture, this book is. I mean, this is very much, as we will read, we will see like, wow, that sounds like us. Well, la-duh. Yeah, it just, it's always the same story. It just looks a little different. The characters are different. The emphasis might be different. Because what's going on in here, in this book, is that uh, Habakkuk gets a big vision from God, and it rocks his world. And the vision is this, is that something's going to happen, and the reason that it happened, we're going to talk about, is because they drifted further and further away from God. Israel did. And as they drifted further and further away from him, God assures Habakkuk, I will deal with the cruelty. At some point, God says, I will deal with it. And he says, so you need to let these people know what's about to happen. But during this study, I'm going to encourage you to do something. I want you, over the next several weeks as we go through this book, to bring your hardest questions to God. I want you to, I I don't care what they are. Don't bring them to me. I I probably won't have the answer. I mean, literally. Bring your questions to God. Nobody else, like literally just you and God and see how that goes. I don't know how it will go. I don't have any plan and I'm not going to lay any money on it. I know that. But what I think, what I suspect will happen is that you will get into a place of understanding certain things in a way that is like brings peace even though it might not bring resolution between you and God on this like you might agree to disagree on something and yet not miss out on more of God because that leads you to bitterness or frustration so I want to read these verses. I did something fun for you. I have the easy read version up for us. Because this is kind of a difficult book sometimes, like reading through these things. So you can follow along in your Bible. That will be lovely. But um, we're going to have the exact words I'm going to be reading because I don't guess anybody here, because nobody in here is in elementary school, has the easy read version. Right? Okay, good. Why don't you stand with me as I pray, and then we're going to read through this. Lord, this morning as we open up your word to really seek what this has to do with your story, the story of the Bible, the story of humanity, the story of history, and it also leads us to really wrestle with the fact that we all have hard questions. And if I could be so bold, Lord, I would say that most of us in here have hard questions specifically for you. And I know that I can say this with full confidence because you say in your word that 
with full confidence we can approach the throne of grace. Like we can approach you and, and when we approach you in a heart that really wants to truly understand, that is a different heart than someone that just wants to complain and have their way. And so can we find ourselves in the story is what we ask, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Habakkuk chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. This is the message that was given to Habakkuk the prophet. Lord, I continue to ask for help. When will you listen to me? I cry to you about the violence, but you did nothing. People are stealing things and hurting others. They are arguing and fighting. Why do you make me look at these terrible things? The law is weak and not fair to people. Evil people win their fights against good people. So the law is no longer fair and justice does not win anymore. You can be seated. So these are the words of the prophet Habakkuk. It's around 600 BC and he was given a vision of what was to come. And as I said earlier, he was absolutely distraught. We know very little about this prophet, but we do know his name means he who holds somebody close to him. Isn't that pretty cool? Like God knowing that he's going to be a prophet of the Lord and that was his name, like pretty cool. But this is a very important time in Jewish history, which really impacts us. And, and maybe you are from Jewish descent, maybe you're not. But like when you hear the people, the Jewish people or Israel, that's always God's people in Scripture. And so if you are a follower of Christ, you are included in God's people since the cross of Christ and the resurrection. It spread to people beyond his chosen Israel. And so, but much happened leading up to this vision. So it's not like out of nowhere, God gives this vision to Habakkuk. Like, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of years of things that happened that led up to this. And along the way, God gave them warning after warning after warning after warning after warning. I mean, it's like exhausting. I mean, reading through the book of First and Second Kings, if you read through it, it's like, well, this king remembered the ways of King David and followed after the Lord. Well, then he dies in the, the next king, forgot the ways. The next king, forgot the ways. The next king, forgot the ways. And then finally somebody, hey, I heard this story. And they start following. It's up and down, up and down, but more down than up. <clears throat> and after the kings that were named Saul and David and Solomon and Rehoboam, their country that had been won under King David and those, those men that followed as king, all of a sudden became two. There was a split in the country. And one had a king and the other one had a king. I mean, it's like civil war is what's going on. Like the Confederates had their own president type thing. And so they were literally a divided country. Does that sound familiar? I mean, that's us. I mean, no longer do you need to predict what the outcome of an election is going to be. It's going to be 50-50. And it's going to be 50 point. Six beats 49 point whatever. I mean, that's, that's just where we are. 
And so they were very much at this uh, level, and they were like even more rabidly like committed to their leader because he, he was a king. Like they didn't have a choice. And so about 720 BC, 100 years before this vision that Habakkuk has been given, there is a country, the Assyrians, had come and destroyed the north part of Israel. Now the reason that I think that they went to the north part of Israel rather than the south part of Israel is because the north part of Israel was the one that really had left the Lord. Like they had started to like worship a lot of idols. They, they had started to drift away from the Lord. So when you think about God's people, really at this moment, it's Judah, which is the southern part of Israel. Okay? But Assyria goes and attacks that northern country. And as they attack that, the reason that Assyria was able to even attack them is because they didn't obey God and God had given them warning after warning after warning. But the south part thought that they were good to go. Well, we're good. Go get them, God. They've left you. And what started to happen was that the infiltration of the Assyrian people and, and the other religions of that time had also drifted down south. And as those idol worship things happened and drifted down south, literally the people of, of, of the southern part of Israel started to drift away from the Lord, just like the northern part. And so God is giving Habakkuk a vision that what happened up north is going to happen here. And that's when Habakkuk is like, are you insane, God? Like, literally, he is just undone. He's almost like, why would you even let me see this vision? I would have rather not seen it. I would rather just happen. But now I know. And what am I supposed to do with this information? The Assyrians were brutal, and that's why Habakkuk was so worried. Impalement was one of their favorite things to do to people, just live impalement. I'm looking at the age of people in this room. There you go. Um, skinning of people was a very common thing. And then they would take the skin of whoever they took it off and they would go to the, the door of the whatever empire it was and they would literally hang it on the door. So you would remember what they were capable of. They would gouge people's eyes out and cut off limbs and send them back into society and say, good luck to you. It's one of the first known evidences of psychological warfare, actually. Gavin can correct me on that. Could be earlier than that. But that's, it's a pretty obvious thing. And so these are a brutal people. But that wasn't the worst of it. Because what we're going to see when we dig into some more of this stuff, and we're not going to do this today, but what we are going to see, as cruel as Assyria was, they would eventually be destroyed as the vision that God gave Habakkuk. Well, that sounds like good news. Like, I'm like, this is amazing. Like, great, you're going to destroy this country that's literally, like, destroying us from the inside and the outside. Like, they're just taking over. But it would be like if we heard in the news tomorrow 
A nation has overthrown Russia and is now in charge of Russia. I think that we know enough to go, who's the country? Because that could either be a good thing or a bad thing. Well, this is the equivalent of Russia being overtaken by China. That would be a real bad thing, right? And that's exactly where he finds himself within this vision. Babylon was that country. And they wouldn't just be cruel like Assyria, like they would eventually lay siege to Israel and Judah and eventually take the Jews captive once again, like they were all the way back in Exodus. I mean, so this is hard stuff that one man is privy to by God. And this captivity or exile refers to a specific period when the Jews were taken captive by a person, a king named Nebuchadnezzar, and he was the second. He was of Babylon, and God used Babylon, this evil nation, as his agent of judgment on Israel because time after time after time after time, they'd been warning after warning after warning. And they kept drifting. And they were becoming more and more dangerous to themselves and further and further away from God. And so this captivity happened and Judah had lost sight of God. But they would rebel against the Babylonian rule here and there. And finally, Nebuchadnezzar just like ended it all. And like not only like destroyed everything, he like took the king of Israel and uh, literally he became his servant. Like it's just like humiliating to him. And King Nebuchadnezzar was a brutal man. Like these are visions that Habakkuk is getting about like things are going to happen to them that will eventually lead to things that happen like in the days of Daniel. Because what would happen was is that those kings started to take the greatest and the brightest and make them their people. Like they would use their talents the people of Israel and Judah for their benefit as their country against the Jewish people. I mean, if you're a history buff, like that should start to sound a little familiar. That's Nazi Germany. That's what was going to, they would take the best and the brightest of Jewish people. And those people, they would use their talents and their skills and their gifts, but the rest of them, they would just get rid of. Well, that's exactly what's happening here. They're taking the best and the brightest and Daniel having to be one of the best and the brightest and Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, Bible study. You may have heard that in kids' church, maybe. They were, they were four of the brightest. And so this is the type of person that you're dealing with because King Nebuchadnezzar uh, had, a, had, a, had a monument, a huge, tall idol worship built, and it was for him. And he told all those people, you bow down, down to me. And so the, the word went out, when we gathered, you're going to bow the knee to what Nebuchadnezzar is and says and, and tells you to do. And that was to worship a false god. And this Nebuchadnezzar, who we realize is part of the king of Babylon, that's what Habakkuk is actually seeing. He has the, gives the command for everybody to bow. Everybody bows, except three people. Daniel was at another area at this point, but like, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were the only people that stood tall and did not bow the knee 
to the false idol. And the punishment for that that was known beforehand was that they would be thrown into a fiery furnace. Consumed. Cremated. And so Nebuchadnezzar finds this out. Remember, this, is, this guy's in charge of all of Israel right now. He's taken the best and the brightest captive. And who dares to not bow like I asked you to bow? So they bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They throw them into the fiery furnace. And after a few minutes, King Nebuchadnezzar does a little peek through. And he's like, let's see how bad this is because I don't hear anything. Wait, I hear, is that screaming? Well, it looks like they're cheering. It looks like they're dancing around. And I thought we only put three in there. Why is there a fourth? Oh my goodness, that fourth looks like an angel. Hey, why are their clothes not burning up? Why are they laughing and hugging and high-fiving? And he pulls them out. And literally, we tell the story to this day. Why? Because a powerful God during uncertain times showed himself faithful. And he calls a people to himself to be faithful to him. And remember, faithful doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything. That's why we can bring our why questions to God. Yes, God. May I ask why? I love the part about Daniel where he says, it's the king, look, I see four men walking around in the fire. They're not tied up and they're not burned. The fourth man is like an angel. I just love that. that that's Jesus, okay? That's, that's the Christ in the midst of of the hottest, most dangerous place. They had been in danger before, but this was the most dangerous place. And where do we find Christ? Right there. By losing sight of God, Israel and Judah began to look and live and even worship the things of the countries that were now over them, Assyria and then eventually Babylon. And God was like, all right, I've tried. You want to worship other gods? Have fun. And they became slaves again. And then they had to worship. They didn't have a choice now. But God did what he told Habakkuk would happen in order to bring his people back to himself. It is always about bringing us back to himself. The hardest, weirdest, most difficult thing that you had no fault in. God did not want it to happen. And it did. It is an invitation from God to you to lean into him more. Let him care for you more. Let him soothe what hurts you more. And you can even be mad at him. Like I remember knocking down one of the boys one time, playing something, and they were mad at me. They deserved to get knocked down with those competitive basketballs, what it was. 
and I go in to get like a Band-Aid and, and kind of, and I'm soothing them and caring for them. And at the same time, they are mad at me. Do you know that that can be your relationship with God? He can handle it, I promise you. By the end of this book, we're going to find out that why do good people suffer? Why do cruel people succeed? Sometimes there's a specific reason that we can point to, but sometimes all we can do is really just come to grips with the fact that this is actually going to happen, or it is happening. And how do I live in Christ in the midst of this happening? How do I live for him in the midst of this? And Habakkuk gets to a point where he came to understand even in this difficult time, God is faithful and he is calling us to be faithful back with him. Like just live in him. He's like, it's going to be hard. This world's broken. And the only, only hope we have is him. We still have these problems today like they had back then. Many folks saying that I'm a faithful Christian that aren't living for him. That, that's what really brought this about. It wasn't really the people that were following God to begin with. Those were like other nations, but it was the people that claimed God and didn't live for God. Why do you think the reputation of Christianity is terrible right now? Pull out that 23% of people see pastors as trustworthy and faithful people. 23%. I hope I'm in that 23. Hope. Oh. Depends on who you talk to, probably. Um, but if we wait, we will see sometimes God uses people that are not Christians so that He can work in us and maybe them. God still has authority. God is still faithful. And we are not just to just invited to believe this. Like it's not just an invitation from God to say, "Hey, I want you to believe this." Like we're invited by God to live this. Like we don't just have to believe that God wants us to be faithful. I think we would all agree with that. Like sure he wants to be. Like who wouldn't want a relationship with somebody who's faithful? Duh. No, we get to actually like not just say I'm faithful like you're faithful to like a sports team. No, I'm going to center everything in my life based on being faithful to God who is faithful to me. Like every decision, every question, like everything. A faithful God is doing that in our midst now calling a faithful people full of questions. I've been using the word riddle a lot. Riddled with questions. I love it. I think Josh said recently, he's like, riddle me this. And I was like, that's hilarious. I'm going to start saying it more. <laughs> but like, I'm riddled with questions. I thought by now I would have less. But what I do have less of is the need to know the exact answer. Why? Because I know God is faithful. That I know. And he invites me to be faithful to him. 